TheOAMNetwork.com. Power to the podcast. Welcome to the Bike Nerds Podcast. This is episode 65. As always, thank you to our generous sponsor, Saris Cycling Group. For over 25 years, Saris has been designing and manufacturing bicycle parking and infrastructure products to help cities, neighborhoods, businesses, and schools become more bike-friendly. There's no better time of the year to celebrate bike-friendliness than all the time. To learn more about what Saris is doing locally, to get more people on bikes, visit sarisparking.com slash bike nerds. Again, that's sarisparking.com slash bike nerds. Thanks, Saris. Kyle, are you there? Mm, just sipping some coffee. Nice. So am I. <laughs> I'm going to take a sip. I actually made this pot of coffee and then was making breakfast simultaneously, sat down, ate my entire breakfast, and forgot totally forgot that I had brewed an entire pot of coffee. Oh, nice. What a little bonus. Well, yeah, sort of a bonus, but I also feel maybe I should have drank at least one cup before um, recording this intro with you. Fair. Well, here we are, bright and early. Oh, it is bright and early. It's earlier here in Colorado, even, um, which isn't, you know, normally I look at work by this time, but today, for some reason, just feels, it feels, feels harder, really hard to, to get up. Yeah. How was, uh, how was your week? I saw big news for Bike Share announced. Yes. Explore Bike Share here in Memphis announced that they have reached an agreement with B-Cycle to launch a system in spring of 2018 of 600 bikes and 60 stations using their new Dash system. And we also shared the news that, um, earlier this year, we also received, um, was, were awarded a CMAC grant um, for $2.2 million to fund an expansion of a bike share system that doesn't even exist yet. That's my favorite part. Yay, federal the, government. The expansion Yay. is already in place of, <laughs> of a system that's not even on the ground. It I love really, that. It's fantastic. Like Suzanne Carlson here really helped me immensely navigate you know, writing a federal grant. Um, and it still makes my head hurt to think about it. And we were like, why not just like write it for an expansion? I mean, what are they going to do? Fund it, I guess. Yeah. Um, <laughs> well, welcome to the world of those that have achieved successful writing of a federal grant. Thank you. Is there like um, a club? Yeah. You actually, your card will be coming in the mail. A little membership card coming your way. I was on mute. I'm not functioning my, I don't know what's going on either. I've actually maybe had too much coffee. (laughs) So yeah, so there was a lot of great press locally and some national pubs picked it up. And I imagine there'll be more news sharing next week. And Memphis seems as they always have since the beginning, really excited. And so it's just becoming more real and real as time goes on. Yeah. And what's the new, what's the new target for the launch? So spring 2018. Wow. That's like tomorrow. almost. I know. I know it literally is. It's like yesterday. Um, well, that's, that's amazing, Sarah. Congratulations on that. Thank you. No, I mean, I mean you were part of the, the effort early on as well. No, so. I mean, but to think like, you know, not even two years ago, would you have imagined yourself of launching a 900, 900 bike, bike share system? Hell to the no. Yeah. Well, what, what, but it's so exciting. Two years ago. What, what kind of work do you think you would have been doing um, two years ago? Two years ago, I was working and still I'm working for a really cool advertising agency. So I thought I'd be, you know, sharing cool creative and connecting with awesome clients in Memphis so and biking on the side. You and been, now I get to do all of this while also working for an advertising agency. You would, you would have been helping like clients like pick the right twine, um, <laughs> you know, with the right amount of fray to give it that authentic look. <laughs> 
um, or, you know, developing a postcard that was going to go out, not, not riding bikes and launching putting 900 <laughs> bikes on the street. No, you're right. It's how pretty many, spectacular. How many times, do, how many different kinds of twine have you reviewed in your life? I'm on the account <laughs> service side. So I so, like, so lots of twine. Is lots of twine yeah. <laughs> yeah, no, it's awesome. And we're going to start, you know, we, this has always been about Memphis. So we did a ton of community input sessions about two years ago to really ensure that this was the right direction for the city. So we'll be out in the public again, kind of listening and talking to our neighborhoods and community members to ensure that we finish strong and make this an authentic system for the city. Amazing. That's great. And the bike is super cool. It's like the dash bike, the B cycle um, has just rolled out is like, it's like a robot basically. It like talks to you and can give you turn by turn directions Wow! and it's really sexy looking. Wow. I just saw actually speaking of bike share and B cycle, um, you know, where I work people for bikes is hosting a conference at the end of June called the places for bikes conference. And it's being held in Madison, Wisconsin, where, which is where, you know, B cycle and Trek's headquarters are actually located. And this past week I saw a photo that Madison B cycle has temporarily branded their whole fleet as people for bikes. Those those people at Trek and B cycle are so nice. Yeah, I mean, so all the, all of the B cycle bikes in Madison right now are now the baskets are all branded with people for bikes logos all over them. That's awesome. In recognition of us, uh, you know, holding the conference there. So that's, that's pretty exciting. cool. Yeah, yeah. I'm looking forward to it. Got some bike rides planned. I know. I, there's some Memphians attending that conference. I'm a tiny bit jealous, but Memphis will be hosting the APBP Professional Development session or seminar, seminar during yeah. that same time. And so that'll be great to have another group of biking and pedestrian nerds in our great I city of I thought about it that way before, but both the two of us, the bike nerds, I, I'm, I've just sort of adopted that we, are, you and I are the only bike nerds that exist and we're seeking out others like us. Um, <laughs> but you and I, as the bike nerds are sort of going to be working on opposite ends of the country, North and yeah. South on the same week with a different group of people talking about bike stuff. That's going to be kind of cool. That's really cool. I feel like if we were more prepared, we could probably do something even cooler with that sort of opportunity, let's, but let's not we go, won't. Let's not go too far. We're, <laughs> I don't want to overpromise and underdeliver. So we'll just be doing our thing. <laughs> we're the bike nerds, not the overprepared nerds. <laughs> no, <I mean. laughs> absolutely not. <laughs> like I barely, I barely made it into this uh, call this morning. <laughs> can't remember where my, where my coffee actually is. Um, is the wagon shoot summer of fun going exhausting. Oh, <laughs> the summer of fun, you know, what, which is interesting. It's hard to have a summer of fun. Just, you know, it's hard to have like two parents that work and have a summer of fun. Um, but this weekend, Carrie and I discovered that this, this weekend that we're sort of going through right now was the only Saturday, Sunday combo where the two of us were going to be like home the whole time. That's mostly due to Carrie. I'm, I'm going to blame it on Carrie. Ouch. Uh, this particular episode. Cause she's, she's got, she's got some kind of a funky work schedule this month and it just kind of eats into our summer of fun. So rather, rather than have fun yesterday, we actually, um, we just, we did a lot of stuff at the house. That That's productive. It, that it, means you can have more fun in the future. It's very productive, but yeah, it wasn't a lot of summer fun, but Ethan did get to go to like space camp this week. And he went to dinosaur Whoa. camp. Yeah. Did he go to space camp in Huntsville, Alabama? No, no, no. This is like a, at the museum. It's across the street from our house. Oh. It's he didn't like, go to NASA? No. Okay. Uh, to be honest, totally honest with you, I don't know what they actually did at these at this camp. <laughs> <laughs> what, he, what he came home with, the culmination of a five-day camp, Ethan came home with this sculpture that he had created in space camp, which, as he described it to me, was a zombie alien lizard bug. Cool. <laughs> Creative. And I'm not kidding you. It's got to be four feet long. Ugh. <laughs> what are you going to do with that? It, it's, it has dragon wings and a dragon tail. It's got multiple eyeballs, uh, arms and legs. I just I just put it in his room. And just that sounds really cool. him deal with it. Yeah, Carrie said when she picked it up, it was the largest sculpture <laughs> that the <laughs> kid in Space Camp had done by far. <laughs> Ethan is really right. He's like, I've got all of these materials at my disposal. At my disposal. I'm not wasting a thing. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And then, and then in the afternoons, he was going to Dinosaur Camp at the, at the same location. So it was like a, like a two different half-day camps. 
What do they do at dinosaur camp? They like dig up bones out of a sandbox and oh, cool. you know pretend that they're dinosaurs or chase chickens around a yard. I'm not, I'm not sure what they actually. It do. feels like his dinosaur camp may have influenced his space camp experience. I, I think so. I think there feels like there was some overlap. I think there was a, some heavy influence from dinosaur <laughs> camp, but which is fine. Yeah, so he had a, he had a great time at camp. Um, I worked a, an entire week at the office this past week, so the first time in three wow. months that felt weird and good at the same time. Did people seem to like miss you? Were they glad you were back? Had anything changed had in the re- office? I had to reintroduce myself to most of the yeah. people. I'm, I'll- actually, there's been a couple. There's a couple new staff members who I'd only met like in passing. They're probably like, "Oh, that's that Kyle guy who sort of shows up here once a week." <laughs> <laughs> they say he's traveling for work, but he's off somewhere. Yeah. So summer fun is, you know, is underway. We're, we're sort of hitting it, uh, where we can. I'm staying home with the kids this week. So we'll probably have some, uh, I'm going to work from home and, and probably, we'll probably have some intermittent fun between, uh, working and emailing. And then we got our big road trip to Memphis in a couple, just a couple of weeks. It's, it's not too far away. So I'm excited. The buzz is in the air that you're coming. I did, you know, the, the cruel irony of our trip to Memphis is, you know, of course, we would we would pick the the week to come that Faux Ben is closed. Um, oh, you know, our the greatest I am Vietnamese so tofu sorry. buffet eatery in Memphis. Yeah, that it's their annual uh, family. You know, the family that runs it goes on an annual family vacation, Which is as they should. Do you want me to like the day before they close get lemongrass tofu and like save it for you? No, it's not the same. I know. It's been there, done that. <laughs> no, it's just, you know, it's just the cruel irony. Carrie, I I, I didn't tell Carrie because I knew she was not going to be happy about it, but she found out. <sighs> so we'll, we'll, we'll survive. We'll see what happens. I think you're going to be okay. Yeah, I think so too. So we're starting our new theme this week. Yep. You know, beyond bikes, you know, our, our interviews for the next six weeks or so are going to be talking with people whose work isn't necessarily centered on bicycling. Um, they, they're working in for a number of, a number of other objectives towards improving the community and helping people um, that, that live near them. But they found ways in which biking plays a role in some of that work. And so these aren't, these aren't sort of your tried and true bike nerds per se. This week on the podcast, we have Lyle Udell um, and his daughter, Allison, who are joining us from Memphis. Uh, Lyle and Allison participate in a program called the Urban Bicycle Food Ministry, uh, which does um, a bicycle ride twice a week throughout Memphis where they deliver uh, handmade burritos to people experiencing homelessness throughout the city. And, you know, I remember, you know, from my time working back at Revolutions, uh, I remember there was a summer where this gentleman named Tommy Clark was coming in. He was... Uh, learning how to ride on, how to, how to work on bicycles and, and participating with us in many of our build nights where people would bring in their bikes, we would help service them. And I remember at the time that Tommy had this idea about starting UBFM and he was, you know, sort of kicking the idea around and trying to figure out, you know, how to best accomplish it if there was a role for revolutions. And, you know, revolutions at the time was spending a lot of, spending a lot of effort, um, hosting people in, in the program who were experiencing homelessness, uh, who were using bicycles as, as their mo- main form of transportation. So a lot of the work that we were doing there was in servicing people's, you know, transportation for them. They would come in and they would work in the shop. Uh, they would help other people work on their bikes in exchange for parts or, or labor or service or expertise and getting their, their bicycle, which they relied on for a lot of things, uh, moving. Um, but you know, that, that's a pretty small group of people. You know, people had to come to us. They had to have a bicycle. Uh, they had to come to us during our, during our, our, our open shop hours. And Tommy's vision was really about, you know, using a different medium food, you know, food security as a way of reaching people where, where they are. And so he was thinking about using bicycles in a new way, not as thinking about them just as a form of transportation, but how do we deliver other services? How do we, how do we help people in other ways, but use bicycles in that way? And, you know, I'm really glad that Tommy, um, that got, got this program running, uh, Lyle and his daughter, Allison are doing some amazing work They you know, they're delivering, uh, you know, over the last five years, something like 80,000 burritos to, to people experiencing homelessness, people on the streets in Memphis. And Lyle has a, has a, has a really compelling story to tell about, uh, you know, sort of why he got involved in this ministry and, and the kinds of things that he's, the, the, how the experiences have, have reshaped, um, 
how he perceives and how he views, you know, members of our community that, that are not as fortunate and members of our community that are, are in different kinds of places and, and, and the ways in which, you know, the built environment works against them, the ways in which, uh, you know, economics and society also work against them. You know, the, the fact that you're standing on the street, having a conversation with somebody, you know, with a burrito sort of being uh, the common ground between you is, is a really powerful experience. And it's, it's experience that I also, you know, shared and, 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 and learned to recognize, you know, during my time at revolutions and working with people. And so I'm sure that many of the same people that, that I was working with in Memphis are the same people that, that Lyle and Allison are uh, working with today. Yes. They're a fantastic organization that, I'm really excited to hear more about because I have never participated in the rides, but I see them kind of gathering together and before they go on their kind of group ride to distribute the burritos. So I look forward to talking to Lyle. So should we do this? Let's hit it. Lyle, thanks for taking time to join us this morning. I'm, we're, we're really glad to kick off this series that, you know, that we're calling Beyond Bikes, um, talking with individuals um, throughout the country who are, are working to improve communities where, where, where the main goal is not to get more people out riding bicycles, but where bicycles are playing uh, a really important part of accomplishing their goals. And, and you've been riding with the, the Memphis-based Urban Bicycle Food Ministry for about three years, you said? Uh, it started in February of uh, 2013. I'm sorry, 2014. Nice. So a little over three years. Nice. Now, now, you are not from Memphis originally. What what brought you to Memphis? I originally came here for a job uh, many years ago, and uh, this has become home now. Yeah, kind of like Sarah Studdard. I think Memphis has a way of doing that. I'm a, a Yankee as well that has found Memphis to be my home for now. Great. Yeah, I, I, and I also, Lyle, I was not a, a Memphis native. I, I did live there for um, 18 years, actually, before just moving away last year. But yeah, I, I, you know, the sort of the three, the three sailors among us here, right? People who sort of came, uh, came to Memphis and were, were drawn in um, by a lot. And Lyle, were, were you bicycling before um, you arrived in Memphis? Uh, I really didn't do a lot of uh, biking uh, until. Oh, probably um, maybe three, four years before joining Urban Bicycle Food Ministry. Nice. And was joining the ministry uh, sort of, uh, was, was that a catalyst in, in getting you to, to ride more often? Uh, it was. It was. Uh, and, you know, along with, with other things, um, as far as from the ministry uh the perspective that it's given me, uh, and, uh, as far as homelessness, uh, and maybe I should give a little background, uh, about how it all started. Yeah, that'd be great. That'd be great. Okay. Uh, there's a, uh, a seminary here in Memphis and a student there by the name of Tommy Clark, uh, had been taking a class, uh, relating to, um, you know, bringing the gospel outward and actually living it. Uh, as opposed to, you know, an inward-focused gospel where, you know, sitting in church, uh, you know, week after week. And he loved bikes and still does and uh, wanted to find a way to incorporate the use of bikes in reaching out to others. And so one night, one Wednesday night, he decided to make uh, about 15 burritos on his kitchen uh, stove and he put him in his messenger bag and rode from his apartment in Midtown, uh, rode downtown with the burritos, looking for people who might look like they uh, needed a meal, needed a friend. And he indeed gave them all away, found several people who he interacted with, and, you know, people that typically, uh, you know, sit on the the bench along the street all day downtown and, you know, get passed by. Uh, and effectively, you know, people are uh, actively trying not to interact with them, trying not to make eye contact. And, you know, these folks have effectively been thrown away by society. And, you know, he t- 
turn that on its head by actually seeking these people out and showing them friendship um, and the burrito being the, the catalyst or the, the way to connect with them. And so he, he ran out of burritos, rode his bike home, and, you know, he, he's described it as, you know, sitting on his couch and just, um, you know, tearing up and realizing that he had just had, you know, a, a very deep experience um, and used his bike in a way uh, that, you know, he really hadn't before. And so the next night he, I'm sorry, the next Wednesday, um, you know, he had been telling some friends about it at work and they said, well, you know, we'd like to do this with you. And so the next Wednesday it was a, a few more people and the following Wednesday, a few more. Uh, this was in July of 2012, and uh, there has never been a week missed since then. Uh, and then back in uh, May of 2014, uh, we started, uh, we added a Saturday morning ride as well. And uh, it's just, you know, time and again, for me, you know, when I started in uh, February 2014, it was the same thing. You know, I got home that night and I just thought, my gosh, I, I can't complain about anything ever again. Uh, because, you know, we saw um, it, it brings it all to, to life in a very vivid way. Um, when you roll up on someone who is obviously just destitute and homeless, it might be in an alley, under a bridge. And, you know, I watched as these folks, you know, who I never would have thought to stop and talk to when they saw the group coming that I rode with uh, my first night, they absolutely lit up and came to life and, you know, hugs are exchanged and, um, you know, sometimes people ask for prayer and we'll, we'll pray with them. And, uh, you know, I saw uh, and have sense, uh, you know, if I happen to meet someone for the first time, <clears throat> excuse me, one Wednesday night and then see them again on a Saturday or, or a Wednesday and I happen to have remembered their name and call them by name. It, there's such a, a reaction that it's just, you know, their eyes light up and it, suddenly they feel human again. Um, and so it's, you know, it's just been uh, life changing for me and my daughter too, who's been doing this with me for uh, over two years now. Um, uh, it's it's a chance to connect with people who you know we never thought we would, and uh, you know we have friends now out there who we try to help in other ways too. You know, more than just the burrito. We we're recently. Uh, uh, gaining connections with uh, other homeless-based uh, organizations uh, in town to try to get our folks, the, you know, our friends on the street, try to get them connected with services and housing and, and you know, medical care and things like that. Allison, what draw, drew you to participating in the um, Urban Bicycle Food Ministry with your dad? Well, it was a Christmas Eve, and me and my sister spent those with my dad. And he asked us to go because it was a Wednesday night and he didn't want to miss it. And so both of us went with him. And I really liked it after the first time with him. And I just kept going. <laughs> and it got to the point where, you know, like, the first the first time came up where I had, I guess I had a work event uh, on a Wednesday night. And I told her, I'm afraid I'm not going to be able to go and uh, you know, on this coming Wednesday, and uh, she promptly uh, got on the phone with her older sister and arranged for a ride downtown with her bike, and she rode without me. <laughs> That's fantastic. Allison, do you ride um, around other times other than Wednesdays or Saturday mornings? Not usually. I just kind of stick to doing it with our bicycle food ministry, but um, I do ride bikes sometimes. 
Lyle, when you look at kind of folks experiencing homelessness in Memphis um, through your experiences with this ministry, what do you, what are like if you could solve homelessness in Memphis? You know, what are those services that you see are most needed for these individuals? I think uh, probably the saddest thing that we see is the instance where someone has a, a mental disability that is preventing them from being able to function in the mainstream work world. Uh, and it doesn't have to be it doesn't have to be particularly severe. It could just be something that um, you know you know that they could not hold down a regular job. Uh, and if you don't have family in town and that's your situation, um, you know, unfortunately you, you're out on the street. And so, you know, I think that's probably one of the biggest needs. I think there's a lot of these folks are falling through the cracks and, um, some of these agencies may not know where to find them. And that's where we're trying to connect these folks to those agencies. Um, as well as, you know, addictions, uh, drugs and alcohol, of course, uh, many of our friends uh, struggle regularly with that, and uh, they've just, you know, gotten into this downward spiral and, you know, can't get out. So you mentioned, Lyle, that Tommy started out with about 15 burritos on his first night. What's the what's the average number of burritos delivered um, today? Yes. Uh, we, on Saturday mornings, uh, we make 12 dozen, 144. And on Wednesday nights, we usually have about 200 burritos and uh, up to about 100 hot dogs. Nice. You've expanded the culinary <laughs> offerings. <laughs> <laughs> yes. How, how many people participate in the ride and the distribution of the food? On Wednesday nights, it can vary. Uh, well, and, and Saturdays as well. But uh, the weather, of course, plays a part. Uh, time of year, uh, whether school is is going, but we range anywhere from uh, 10 riders to there's been up to 40. Um, and we do three different routes on Wednesday nights. We uh, go down Main Street uh, and then eventually end up down near Handy Park uh, near Beale Street. Uh, there's another group that goes from 2nd Street down Poplar Cleveland and a third group sometimes uh, will go down Madison to the Cleveland area and uh, on Saturday mornings we usually stick to because we have fewer people on Saturdays uh, we usually stick to just Main Street uh, but you know in the in the almost five years that that we've been doing this uh, you know on average it equates to about uh, 80,000 burritos over the course of that time. So I, I imagine Lyle, you know, a lot of the time that Sarah and I have spent thinking about growing bicycling, it's, it's really in this space about how do we better engage communities to think about the ways that bicycling, um, you know, fits into their lives or doesn't fit into their lives. And a lot of that has to do with, you know, to engage in communities, you actually have to go to communities where they are. And I imagine that that this is the same in, in some, in some ways is the same kind of theme is that, you know, you all are not expecting, you know, uh, people experiencing homelessness to come to you to get a burrito. You're not, you're not asking them to come to some facility that's on the outside of, you know, outside of town. That's really tough to get to by bus or, or by walking or, or even by bicycle, but that there's a, there's a level of engagement that you're able to achieve because you're actually going to people where they are. Is that, is that a, is that a, a unique aspect of your program compared to some of the other service based, uh, sort of like location based services that are available in Memphis? Absolutely. And I'm glad you touched on that. Uh, I once uh, had a gentleman, um, who we found in one of the parks downtown tell me, he asked me a question. He said, do you know why I love you? And I, I said, no. And he said, because you come find me. And I think there's a special message in that, you know, 
to these folks um, that you're right. We're not just setting up a spot for people to, you know, find and get to, um, which is difficult. You know, these folks, uh, every once in a while, you know, one of our folks will be able to get a bicycle um, and use that to get places. But for the most part, um, the vast majority of our friends on the street are, of course, walking. And, you know, um, that obviously takes a lot out of people when you're walking all day, every day. So for us to go out and and seek them out, you know, while bringing food to them uh, in the wintertime, we'll bring, you know, blankets, gloves, coats, hats. Um, you know, we pull uh, at least one person on each route will be pulling a bike trailer, you know, with supplies. Uh, that get donated to us. And, uh, you know, the whole reason, one of the whole reasons for bikes is that, you know, one, we can get to a lot of places faster than we could on foot, of course. But there's a big difference um, in rolling up to someone on a bike as opposed to, you know, driving up in a car. Um, you can't get to as many places in a car. Um it's a little more invasive. Uh, rolling up on a bike is just uh, much less uh, confrontational, if you will, as opposed to a car. Through your conversations with your friends who are experiencing homelessness, um, I'm trying to think how to word this. Are you able, like, kind of the conversation around you know the stigma of, of the place that they are and their and their lived experience? Um, are those conversations that that you're having? With, with your friends? As far as... I think it was just kind of, you know, a better perspective of what it means to kind of be in their shoes. Yes, yes. We, obviously, for, for every person out there, um, there's a different story. And uh, some people, some people actually have chosen that lifestyle. Um, mm -hmm. I think for some people, uh, whether it's due to, you know, addiction or mental illness, for some people, the stress of not knowing where your next meal is coming from is less scary to them than the stress of having a job and, or answering to someone or having responsibilities of paying rent and so forth. So there are a few of our friends that we see regularly who choose that lifestyle as strange as that may sound um but again you know that in itself you know can be some form of um you know can be some form of mental illness uh, not in every case but you know not wanting to necessarily fit in to society uh other people um you know we've talked to they have said well you know i just can't give up drinking um, and there are some people who, you know, every time we see them, they're clearly under the influence, um, which is pushing us towards, you know, really wanting to get these folks connected. Um, some people can be helped others. It's a little more difficult. Um, uh, but we've recently found some, uh, local resources that, uh, I think look very promising uh, from the perspective of being able to uh, get help for our friends who are really struggling. Lyle, I'm curious to know who are the people that are joining you um, on these twice a, twice a week bicycle rides to deliver burritos. Are these are these people that are like really into bikes? Are these you know are these different like church congregations or are these just people that? that are in the community that sort of care, like who's, who's, who's coming to help you um, do, do all of this uh, service. It's really unique in that there are indeed uh, a lot of our riders who are very, very much into bikes and, you know, biking is a huge part of their life. Uh, but conversely, there's uh, a lot of people who show up, and they don't even have a bike and haven't ridden a bike in years. Mm. And we have a, a fleet of donated, used 
bikes, uh, loaner bikes that, uh, uh, you know, it's a limited number, but we can loan those out to people who don't have a bike. And, you know, that's great to see uh, someone who, you know, has been away from biking for a long time or is relatively new to it. It's really neat to see them uh, get back into it in this regard, you know, in a way that is helping people. And, uh, you know, we see it time and again, uh, just like happened to Tommy, just like happened to me, um, just like happened to my daughter, when you get out there and connect with these folks who, you know, you, you never really have before, uh, it's, goes a long way in changing your perspective. Allison and Lyle, through your rides, you know, not only the connections that you're making, um, have you guys experienced the city in a different way um, by being on a bike? Absolutely. Um, Allison, do you want to talk to that? Yeah. um, I never, I mean, we used to go downtown when I was younger, but I never um, saw as many things as I did on a bike. Like, it's different in a car. And it's cool to see all the different things that the city has. Allison, do you have a favorite route? Uh, the downtown route is my favorite. Huh. I've been on Poplar the first time I went, and I didn't really like it that much. <laughs> <laughs> that's fair. I think that's totally fair. I think most people would probably say that. I think, I think 99% of the population agrees. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yes, whether it's in a car or on a bike. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, recently we had a, a new rider mentioned to us, you know, as we're, you know, biking through a particular alley that is on a regular route. She says, well, I'm certainly getting a tour of Memphis that I've never seen before, or seeing a side of Memphis I've never seen. Um, and, and that's absolutely true. Uh and it, it really does open your eyes. Um, as Allison said, you, you tend to notice a lot more uh, when you're on a bike as opposed to speeding by in a car. Well, I'm curious to know, I mean, the the ministry is five years in at this point. Is that right? Yes, I'm, doing math right. In, I'm doing the math in my head on an early Sunday morning. Yikes. Uh, yeah, I know. <laughs> so you're five years into the ministry. Is is there is there a vision for uh, the, the long term success of the program? Is you know food food security feels like a, like a really important piece of the puzzle. But do you all have your eyes on something um, more beyond just sort of delivering food um, a couple times a week? We do actually. Uh, we we work out of a, a small building downtown that is leased to us uh, for nothing by First United Methodist Church, who owns the building. And we we share that building with two other homeless-based ministries. Uh, one is called Room in the Inn, and the other is called Iona Ministries. Um, each of us has a, a different uh, um, goal or you know different operations. For example, Room in the Inn... Uh, has created a network throughout the city of churches who open their doors to house homeless people on the coldest nights of the year um, from October through March. And so Room in the Inn, um, they do an amazing job of uh, coordinating this with these different congregations through the city. Uh, these churches uh, commit to opening their doors. I believe it's at least twice a month. Um, uh, you know, one night, you know, it'll be this set of churches. And the next night, it'll be another set of churches. And so our homeless friends come to our building and, um, uh, you know, register to get a spot that evening. And then they show up again later that day to be. Uh, picked up by the various church vans and taken to the spots for the evening where they, you know, get a bed, get a meal. Uh, people from the congregation volunteer uh, to spend time with them in the evenings. Uh, 
so we share this building with room in the inn and Iona Ministries. And while the three of us have our own, uh, you know, uh, individual uh, goals and, and the way we do things, we have an ultimate goal of using the building that we work out of uh, in the way of you know, being like a day shelter, um, where during the day people can come and, you know, get out of the cold, um, get out of the heat in the summer, have a place where uh, we can interact with them, you know, in a deeper way, uh, spend a little more time with them than we get to spend when we're out on the ride. And, uh, you know, this would be a place where we could help them uh, put together resumes. Uh, we could offer them, uh, like, lockers to keep their things, uh, which, you know, oftentimes uh, we run across this constantly. You know, we'll give supplies to people or clothes one week, but uh, the next week they don't have it anymore because it's been stolen. Uh, so providing lockers, uh, providing a mailing address uh, for people so that they could actually get mail at this location. And so uh, that's the ultimate goal that all three of the ministries have together. And uh, the challenge will be, you know, raising the money that it will take to renovate the building. It has been abandoned for several years and uh, needs a lot of work. So, um in addition to, you know, the, the funds that we raise to provide, uh, you know, money for the food that we buy each month uh, for the rides, uh, the bigger goal is to um, raise money for a renovation of the building. And Lyle, am I correct that this movement has also been spread to other cities in the United States as well? Absolutely. Uh we have some very good friends in Des Moines, Iowa, who learned about what we're doing and uh, uh, have mirrored it in Des Moines. And they actually have taken it to even a, uh, a bigger level in that they do, I think, five routes. Um, they have as many as uh, 70 volunteers showing up uh, each, uh, each week. I believe their rides are on Thursday nights. Uh, in addition, uh, Tommy Clark, uh, the founder of Memphis UBFM, uh, has a uh, few years back, he took a position, a, a pastor position in a church in the Middle Tennessee area. And so he is expanding uh, Urban Bicycle Food Ministry into the national area. I have a question that maybe to micro and may get us off the rails and may be a question that Lyle or Allison, you cannot answer, but I'm going to ask because it's been, it's been on my mind since you mentioned this is, you know, I don't think I ever really thought about people experiencing homelessness, like really being pedestrians in the truest form as their main form of transportation. Um, and I'm now, I've recently been on, been on a kick as our listeners know around pedestrian advocacy. And I wonder if you have a view on their experiences about what it means to walk and travel via Memphis on foot and experiences they have, you know, being pedestrians and potentially not being respected, um, not only as their role in life, but just as pedestrians in general, if that has come up in your discussions. Sure. Um, I think from our perspective, um, uh, you know, we see difficulties in employment in that way. Um, for example, even if we can connect a person to, uh, for example, a, a downtown-based company that provides janitorial services, well, their clients may not necessarily be downtown, and they may need to hire someone who can be on a team that cleans a building out in Bartlett. Well, you know, our friends can't walk to Bartlett to a job. Um, and so that's a big difficulty, you know, having no other means of transportation other than walking. 
another aspect of that is um, health. Uh, a lot of the people we serve have disabilities, uh, and it's very difficult for them to get around on foot. Yet, yet they have to, and you know that's very limiting to them. So their their sphere of uh, you know, area that they can cover is very small. And, um, you know, it goes beyond homeless, homelessness, too. You know, there are people we serve who who do have a home, a place to stay, but they live in uh, dire poverty. And, you know, they can't afford a car or maybe even a bike. Um, or if they have a bike, it, you know, they can't necessarily afford to maintain it, Uh you know, riding it every day, things are going to wear out and, and break. Um, so, yes, we do see lots of difficulties that people face through, uh, you know, being, you know, forced into having to be a pedestrian. Sort of on that same line of questioning, Lyle, and maybe maybe for Allison as well, but, you know, as you sort of have now for several years experienced what it's like to ride a bicycle in Memphis as you're talking to individuals who do rely on walking or some other, you know, sort of non automotive form of transportation around town. Has that reshaped how either of you think about how the city is built and how the city is laid out? Has, has that, has that, transformed your own perception of the ways in which the way that the city has been developed or built influences people's ability to live, you know, a, a quality uh, of life that, that, that is, is the built environment influencing their quality of life, I guess is my question. To some extent, I can definitely see that. Obviously Memphis is a city that uh, has grown in different ways than other metropolitan areas uh, it's very spread out uh, so uh, yes that lends itself to some difficulties there for uh, you know people in poverty um, being able to you know get to places uh, as easily as you or I might be able to you know having better access to transportation I think uh you know, it's a great thing that over the course of the last five or six years, uh, the miles of bike lanes throughout Memphis has increased dramatically. Uh, you know, that is a, a wonderful thing. And then uh, I've read recently about uh, a program that will be bringing in, um, I think initially, about 600 rental bikes uh, into town that'll be located uh, different locations throughout the city. I don't know what the prices uh, for, for renting those will be. Um, I think, you know, that will, whether or not our friends suffering homelessness or poverty are able to utilize those will depend on the price, of course. Well, Lyle, I'm actually the president of the board of directors for Explore Bike Share, who will be launching the 600 bikes. And I know that oh, the Urban Bicycle Food Ministry is on my list to reach out about how can we, you know, give passes that don't necessarily have a fee attached to them or, you know, talk to people who are experiencing homelessness on how to connect um, them with, you know, Bike Share as a tool for, for them to navigate around the system. And so... I look forward to having hopefully many more conversations with you and your team about how bike share can be an asset for your work and then also how it can be an asset um, for, for your friends as well. Oh, that's wonderful. Yes. Thanks and, for the and, plug too, Lyle. <laughs> I promise I didn't set you up. That was just, me. yeah, I, and that was uh, honestly unknown to me. <laughs> no, that's great. Um, and fantastic idea about um, like potentially, you know, offering vouchers or some, um, some way of, uh, of, you know, helping our homeless or, or uh, poor friends take advantage of that. Sarah, Sarah, isn't there um, a membership option that, that's going to be offered? That's sort of like the pay it forward, where, where people can actually pay for an annual membership for somebody else um, to get free access for a year. 
Yes, absolutely. So we'll have a pay it forward option. And for, I believe it's $200, you can purchase a membership that'll go towards a Memphian in need. And we actually did a pledge drive last summer and we're really blown away. We use it as kind of a test case and we're so blown away by the generosity of Memphians who um, kind of signed up that they were really interested to make that commitment. So a Memphian could need, a Memphian in need could have a year um, bike share pass, um, you know, for them, for, for their use. Oh, that's fantastic. That is great. La, I want to end, we, we've been talking about a pretty serious topic and, you know, there's a lot of, there's a lot of despair out there. I think there's a lot of hope as well. And I think, uh, UBFM provides, uh, you know, uh, it, it provides a, a, a array of array of hope at the end of the tunnel, you know, that, that, that people are working on this, you know, it's a very deep and complex and sort of long sitting problem, you know, not just in Memphis, but in communities all across the U S I'm wondering if you could share with us just as a sort of a closing, you know, is there, is there a, is there a story, is there a success story or, or is there some moment, a story that you like to share that, that comes to your mind that sort of, really demonstrates the positive value of, of the work that you that you and others are doing through this ministry? Yes. Uh, there was one ride uh, where it was early in the ride, and we were in the City Hall Square area on Main Street. And a woman came up to us and said, hey, hey, I don't know if you remember me, but, um, you know, I have a place to stay now. But... Uh, back last winter, I was homeless and, and she gestured with her hand to a doorway, um, kind of a sheltered doorway. She said, I was right over there laying there and I was sick and cold and you guys gave me, along with the food, you gave me a blanket and a pillow. And she said, you have no idea what that meant to me and the comfort that that brought me. And, you know, it just, hearing stories like that helps, you know, put it in perspective and helps me, uh, you know, really step back and think about, you know, the impact um, that we're having. And, you know, these moments like that especially um, really give a lot back to our riders you know Tommy often says that you know he loves to see the fact that this ministry benefits not only the people that we go out and, and seek out but also the riders themselves you know you can see it on a new rider's face uh, as you know, they experience this the first time. It, it's extremely moving to them, and uh, uh, it's just really neat to see that uh, take place. Um, additionally, um, again, from the perspective of uh, feedback that we get, uh, you know, we always run into you know some folks who, um, you know want more and more and keep asking for more things from us, which I would do the same. You know, I can't say that, that I wouldn't be exactly that way. If I didn't know where my next meal was coming from, uh, I would try to stock up. Um, but every ride, and this is particularly, uh, you know, this really speaks to us. Every single ride, we also run across people who will say, you know what, I can get by on, you know, just one burrito tonight. Um, there's some guys in this alley over here who, who need those others more than I do. And, you know, <laughs> to me, that just every single time that takes me, you know, to a place where I... I don't know that I would have that level of character in that person's position. Um, there are many people I know in, you know, the normal world who I know wouldn't have that level of character, including I question whether I would. And so, you know, 
we're out there meeting people who I previously walked past and previously tried to avoid having to get close enough where they were going to ask me for money. But yet some of these same people exhibit a level of character that, you know, I don't normally see among well-to-do people. Uh, it has taught me a huge lesson. Um, it's helped me change my perspective completely. Um, you know, uh, the old adage, you know, well, why don't they just get a job? It just doesn't, it, that doesn't ring true at all for a lot of these people. Um, a, a large percentage of them can't work. They want to work, but can't. So, uh, this has been, you know, a life-changing experience for me. Uh, show me things that uh, uh, have completely changed my perspective. And I'm just really glad to, you know, have Allison in doing this with me. Uh, you know, I came across this type of work, um, you know, much later in life than I wish I had. Uh, but when I see her doing these things, um, having these experiences, I am really excited about, you know, what she'll do with her life in this regard. That's a great, that's a great story, Lyle. And, you know, I, th I think you're right. You know, the fact that, um, you know, our, the next generation is, is being brought, uh, brought into, brought into the world in, in a different way, you know, I think gives us all hope, um, in, in so many ways. And I think, you know, to your point about, you know, not really truly understanding where these issues came from until, till the moment where you were actually in dialogue and in conversation and in a relationship with people, um, outside of the circle of, you know, normal that, that has been, that you sort of have been in, I think is a story that Sarah and I share in a lot of ways. You know, the reason that Sarah and I do the work that we do today is because of those same kinds of moments, you know, different circumstances, different kinds of themes, but you know, that's, that's really what this is about, right? It's about communicating. It's about, uh, meeting people, um, you know, getting to know people and forming relationships at, at different levels and whether we're working on, uh, you know, addressing issues of homelessness or we're working on transportation and bicycling, you know, those, those same themes, regardless of what space people are working in across the country, uh, you can't, you can't neglect, um, authentic relationships with people, um, in a way to sort of move the needle forward. And so I, I want to thank you. Uh, I want to thank Allison for all the work that you're doing there in Memphis, uh, and thank you again for agreeing to be on the podcast and, uh, you know, sharing your story, um, about the, about the food ministry. Well, thank you so much, Kyle and Sarah. We really appreciate the opportunity to talk about UBFM. Thank you. Yeah. And I'm glad we could connect you and Sarah, um, about this bike yes. share thing. Yeah, I know. <laughs> Trust me. I, you'll be receiving an email from me this week. <laughs> that is great. That yep. is great. Very exciting. Great. Well, uh, thank you all so much. I thank y'all. Y'all really, enjoy your Sunday. Well, thank you. We will. We will. And I'll uh, look forward to talking more, Sarah. Yep, absolutely. Take care. The Bike Nerds Podcast is a joint production of the Bike Nerds, Sarah, and Kyle, and the OAM Network based in Memphis, Tennessee. For more information, visit theoamnetwork.com slash thebikenerds. Want to nerd out more? Find us on the web at thebikenerdspodcast.com, on Twitter at thebikenerds, and on Facebook, The Bike Nerds Podcast. Drop us a note or recommend another bike nerd to have on the show by sending us an email at thebikenerdspodcast at gmail.com. The OAM Network is a Memphis-based podcast network connecting communities inside Memphis to the rest of the world for a nominal fee. By offering our services for less, we are able to give individuals a platform to share their ideas, experiences, and thoughts. With the community in mind, we are gladly accepting a partnership with Church Health and moving our small operation into a big space, the newly renovated Crosstown Concourse in Memphis, Tennessee. We are holding a silent auction of Memphis-based businesses at Memphis Made Brewery in order to raise funds for the new equipment in the new studio. 
to be frank, our mics, cables, and soundboard have seen better days. Our vision is to be able to incorporate more podcasts into our network and build up the community surrounding it. We will also be doing live short versions of a few of our podcasts for your entertainment. This will include The Permanent Record with special guest Woody C. Thomas. It's a Just City podcast. You Look Like, a comedy show recently picked up by Craig Brewer. The Game Show, a show about games and other ridiculous banter. And our friend Eric C. will be showing off his mad skills during Drink and Draw, which is not a podcast because drinking and drawing doesn't translate to audio well, but is fun nonetheless. We will also be launching our new Power to the Podcast t-shirts that night. So come by, drop a donation, check out the great local items up for auction, and drink a beer with your favorite podcast hosts. We do realize that not all of our listeners can make it out to this event. After all, there's 240,000 of you. However, if you wish to donate, you may do so via PayPal at oammemphis at gmail.com. If you would like to donate a gift to the silent auction, please email Carla at theoamnetwork.com. This event is being held Thursday, June 22nd from 7 to 10 p.m. at Memphis Made Brewing, 768 South Cooper Street. If you are interested in buying a Power to the Podcast t-shirt but are not located in Memphis, have no fear. Starting June 22nd, the t-shirts will also be available online at theoamnetwork.com. We hope to see you there.